John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. As I mentioned last week, probably need to change the name of Labor Day to Clowny Day because what ends up happening is in the last two Labor Day weekends, you know, Genevieve and Clowney ended up getting to the team he ended up with. Last year was the trade from uh, Houston to Seattle, and then, of course, this weekend it came down to him going to the Tennessee Titans, but doing a great job in being able to break down this story and break the story on Genevieve and Clowney going to Tennessee. Diana Rossini from ESPN, and, of course, Diana, what, what in the end, what did it come down to? Because this negotiation was pretty much a labor and a labor for five months that uh, Clowney didn't do anything until the very end. Yeah, this is the first free agent signing story that I've followed that lasted this long. Um, some of them are tough to, to sort of figure out and you kind of have an inclination of where they're going to wind up. I, I did not know where he would where he would wind up Friday and Saturday morning. Um, the Saints did such a great job of convincing and persuading and, and presenting to Clowney and trying to really hit the things that he was looking for. Um, and obviously, New Orleans has so many great selling points, you know, from the Superdome to Drew Brees to Cam Jordan to the even front to the 11 televised games on, on national TV and primetime spot. There's so many. Um, but when it came down to it, from, from what I can gather since he has signed, the comfort with Mike Rabel was really important. He has a great relationship with him. Um, I was told that the Titans felt they were in the driver's seat the entire time, that they weren't flinching. Uh, and it also helped that financially they were able to give Clowney more money, which which they knew that's what he was looking for. This is a guy who was looking for $20 million a year five months ago, four months ago now. So, to you know, and he had other offers, John. He had a lot of really good offers um, between then and, and a, a, about a week ago that were very lucrative, and, and he, didn't, he didn't go with that. He went with a, a great price, or at least a, a good deal, at a place that he's comfortable. Yeah, and that's the thing that's so strange, because I had probably the best relationship of anybody with him out here in Seattle, and because uh, he was so open to me as the season went on. But he, he seems to be, I mean, the, the way he handled a negotiation was as bad as, not Le'Veon Bell, because Le'Veon lost $14.5 million that he'll never get back, and at least in this case, he gets twelve. But he was a step behind every way. Like, for example, Seattle started out at about 13. Eventually, they went up to 15 or 16 at the time that I know that that was the highest offer, and he wouldn't even counter. And, of course, I know he liked it here from the what he said uh, both during the season and after the season. And I'm sure he got the same word to you, but he just didn't counter. And he ended up, you know, pretty much costing himself, you know, what was probably $5 million because say what you want. And I know he doesn't agree with this. He was a $17 million to $18 million a year uh, guy. Cause that's, I mean, nobody else in unrestricted free agency got more than 16, five. And that was Byron Jones <clears throat> going down to Miami. But in the end, what you look at with Clowney is that uh, you know he could have had 16 here in Seattle, 17 in Cleveland, and now he ends up 12, having to make up three to get to 15. Exactly. Uh, so you know what's interesting? I didn't get the sense that he wanted a return to Seattle. I never did. Not from 
when I've spoken to him, not when I've spoken to those close to him. Um, I, I just, I didn't think Seattle was going to be the lens that just based on that, not the financials, just the comfort in that system. Um, I know he wanted to be on the East Coast too. That that was something um, that was a pretty consistent message that I had heard um, for a while. So, you know, you look at all the different offers from, and even interest, right? You have the Colts. I had heard the, the Houston Texans were even in on this. They just couldn't get their numbers up. Um, so there are a lot of interested teams, obviously, because he's a high-caliber player. But the agent communication between, you know, he, he had one agent. He fired him. Um, you know, there's a little shadiness with, with the transition for, to his new agent of, of how that worked out, how that is going to work out, because there's that five-day window that when you switch from one agent to another that uh, needs to be waived, and I'm not sure if it was waived. So there's still a little bit of gray area right now with how that all happened, but it, it, it became very clear to me that something was off between the agent and his client, because I have a hard time believing, John, and you've been doing this for years, that that bus cooks would advise what, what we saw happen here. This this doesn't make sense to me. So it seems to me this was his decision making, um, in terms of passing up really good opportunities and offers, but. Um, you know, Tennessee now feels that, that this is the best. And we know how productive he was in Houston with Mike Vrabel. Um, I did speak to some people with the Texans actually the other day, and they, they were like, oh, we knew he was going there the whole time. He, he, he wants to get back in that system with him. So, um, you know, it makes sense. We'll see how, how it turns out. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about Buss, because I think all along, and you can probably verify this, I don't think he listened to anything that Buss was saying. Because remember, last year he fired him. Back at the end of this year, he fired him. Then he got him back. And Buss is a deal maker. I mean, he's done it from Brett Favre to so many others, and he gets and he has a good relationship with teams. But I kind of got the feeling that Jadevian was controlling everything, You know, whether he was going to take counter offers and bring him back. whether Because I, I got the feeling from the beginning, and maybe you can verify this too, is that if he was going to play at a discount, and clearly this is a discount because he's a very good player. I think he's the sixth or seventh best edge rusher in football. But he wasn't going to go to training camp and risk anything. If So I thought he was going to miss training camp and go take this down to the very end, which is exactly what he did. Yeah. No, no, I'm not surprised at all that, uh, that he's joining the team at this point. I did think he'd get it done a day earlier. I thought he'd be in Nashville, at least, or in New Orleans. Um you know, by Friday, but obviously they, they, the Saints were able to really extend this. Um, Saturday morning, the Titans sent in an offer that was increased from their original offer back in that they made back in April. Um, not significantly bigger than what their other offer was, but it certainly had a little bit more to it. Um, so what wound up happening here is so the Titans send that back in the afternoon on Saturday, and it was done. Uh, done meaning Clowney gave that entire organization the the word. He's coming there. He told them. They set up logistics uh, for him to fly in the following day, and the Saints would not take no for an answer. They, they just, like, were not hearing it. And, you know, I spoke to sources there after Clowney told Tennessee and they said, well, we haven't heard a thing. And, you know, it, it got a little shady uh, Saturday because, you know, if he went back and flipped, 
I, I'm not, you know, obviously that's his decision to make, but um, I can't remember the last time a player told an organization that he was going there and they began the process and then just backed out like that. That's pretty unprofessional. Um, well, so the same, go, go ahead. Yeah, Earl Thomas did it last year because he had a, he had already agreed to a one-year $12 million deal with uh, Kansas City. And then when Baltimore came up and offered him 13.75, he switched gears and just went to uh, Baltimore. So, yeah, it's, it's it happens, and I'm sure it, it happened with him. And I never bought the idea on the Saints because, again, I could see it from the professional standpoint because I think he's better in a 4-3 defense than he is a 3-4 because he's so good against the run, particularly at, against tackles. But the difference is there was no way they can do it they had 6.9 million dollars of cap they're over 60 million dollars over next year's cap and they're gonna have to break the team up and to put any kind of resource like a clowny into it that's why they tried to do the sign and trade but you knew the league was never going to allow that no way i mean you got to give credit to mickey loomis and sean payton for trying to think of something but you know they they were really i've covered the saints a lot john and, and i know that environment i know the way they are uh they're they're great locker room they're really a bit of a the kind of version of new england of the south a little bit they remind me of that uh they, they just know their identity they know who they are they've obviously had that consistency with their quarterback and their head coach um but i will tell you this from covering them and covering that head coach when when, when sean peen kind of gets his teeth into something he, he he's a stubborn guy and he did not want to lose. He, I mean, this is why he flew to Houston and to meet Clown. He thought he could close him that way. He's like, you know, he needed to have that relationship, that person to, you know, that face to face, because he knew he had that Rabel had the upper hand on the whole thing because they knew each other. You know, how can you replace that? You can't replace that type of history. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really uh, long Saturday because. You know, Clowney just wasn't certain. But, you know, he was obviously telling teams what he was doing. Uh, he was at least telling – I think he was actually probably telling everybody different different versions of it. But uh, Tennessee felt the whole time that, that, that they, they were going to get him. They, I mean, this was weeks ago they said they were going to wind up with him. So they won. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's at least where, with Clowney kind of using the Saints. But I give him credit because here's Peyton and two coaches going down over to Houston to see him. And uh, instead of going out to dinner, uh, he got his chef to uh, go cook the food for him. And I guess uh, Sean liked the food. Uh, I'd heard <laughs> that uh, that the Tennessee Titans were going to take a picture with Clowney in their cafeteria as a joke. Um, and post that as like, look, he came here. Um, our food's good too. Uh, but you know, it, it was, it, John, it was, it was actually kind of fun just hearing all three sides all weekend and, you know, Titans players and Saints players talking to them and, and, you know, everyone, it was just all eyes were on it. It was, it was definitely the most exciting free agent signing this year. I, I mean, I'm, I'm taking this one over Brady because, you know, Brady made it kind of, I thought he made it pretty quick. We kind of knew it. Um, so I, I mean, this was, this was certainly exciting and, and I'm sure Seattle, Seattle, I talked to Seattle on Saturday morning about all this and, um, they, they, they knew they were out. They knew, they knew they had no shot. Yeah, well, Dan, great job in this story. You did a phenomenal work as you always do. And, uh, I'm sure that, uh, this labor is now over is now just getting ready for the season and see what the next signing is going to be. Hey, well, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, John. I appreciate being on.
Hey, listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we get out the report card and get some grades going. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. The report card we bring out every day. We look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, the anecdotes. We take the social media comments. We take the voices, and we attach a grade to And, of course, uh, I don't know, uh, before we get into this, Curtis Rogers, what kind of grade do you get the clowny story, which has been with us, I think, for, what, 15 years now? Yeah, I remember being an 8-year-old and, yeah. and discussing this. Uh, you know, it's just something that we've all known and as a part of our lives, this free agency saga. I'm going to give it a, a D minus just for how long this has dragged out. Five uh, months. Yeah, I, I give it an A for finally coming to an end, and we don't have to really ever talk of this again. But I, I kind of wondered, John, if you look back at the trade last year, if you had to do it all over again, if you were John Schneider, would you have made the trade for Jadevian Clowney knowing how it turns out a year later? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, they ended up winning 11 games in a playoff game. And say what you want. I know that you know he missed three games and he battled through the injuries and stuff like that. It was worth it. I mean, I mean to get a player that good that plays at a Pro Bowl level for a third-round pick is, I think, sensational. And so, uh, no, I think it was a great trade. Let's get to the rest of the report card here, and let's start with tennis. We don't usually talk tennis here on 710 ESPN, but yesterday the number one player in the world, Novak Djokovic, at the U.S. Open was ejected, was not allowed to finish his match after hitting a ball in frustration at a line judge. He managed to find one of about three people allowed in the stadium to hit a to hit with a ball. Uh, it didn't look like he was aiming for them, but ended up hitting him in frustration. Uh, John, how are we grading Novak Djokovic losing out on a chance for a U.S. Open because he just let his emotions get the best of yeah, him. Yeah, F minus. I mean, you got to control yourself. I mean, you're doing, you're hurting somebody else. And again, I don't. It wasn't maybe intentional, but still, the fact that he he did that in such anger, I thought was just awful. I think it's an F minus. I mean, you know, he should be sanctioned not only for what he did yesterday. I mean, he should be sanctioned for weeks ahead. Yeah, I'm giving him an F as well. He did it in a stadium capacity of twenty three thousand seven hundred seventy one seats. He managed to find. One of about three people. You got the the umpire who sits in the chair, and then you know the couple of line judges there. He managed to find one of the three. Uh, what a what a what an idiot for that. Yeah. Uh, Novak Djokovic. What are you doing, man? That's an F for him. Uh, another ejection yesterday, John. This one from the world of baseball. Umpire Joe West, who uh, one of the more polarizing umpires in baseball history. Well, he got in his feelings yesterday from Nationals GM Mike Rizzo, who was not sitting in the dugout. He was not sitting anywhere near the dugout yesterday as the Nationals were playing the Braves. He was sitting in the third deck of the Braves stadium where the game was being played, and Joe West managed to eject him. Here's the play-by-play of that. Wow, somebody's getting kicked out. Hunter Wendelstedt sees somebody in the upper deck or in the second deck. All security. Somebody's been ejected. Either Joe West or Hunter Wendelstead saw it, and they've asked security to be called either in the second deck or third deck. And they said, we'll wait for you. Better not be Mike Rizzo, the Nationals GM, who's traveling with the club here in Atlanta. Oh, I think it is. It might be the way he was yelling back. 
John, how are we grading Joe West ejecting the Nationals GM who is sitting three decks above where the game is being played? Well, a typical uh, Joe West overreaction. <clears throat> I mean, he never gets anything higher than a C because you know his show on the field is, I think, more important to him than the results. <clears throat> and he's always involved in controversy. You know, he's always involved in kicking people out. I'm going to give him a D minus. I'm giving him an F. He's one of those umpires that thinks everybody's in attendance for yeah, him. Exactly. And, and it's like, nah, dude, you, you're an umpire. You're supposed to, you know, make sure the integrity of the game stays the way it is. You don't need to become the show. And that's what Joe West has always been about in his career. And it's, it's, it's time for him to retire. Time to hang up the chest protector in the mask. Uh, he does not need to be anywhere near a baseball field anytime soon. Also on the report card, John Dan Orlovsky, ESPN analyst, he joined Chris Long's podcast and talked about a time when he was with the Detroit Lions when his offensive coordinator fell asleep during a game. Here's that audio. You were in Detroit. What was your most dysfunctional thing that you saw there? I, Chris, we had a game. There was a, there was a couple times when I was the backup quarterback. The offensive co- coordinator would call the play into me on the headset, and then I would relay it to our starting quarterback. There was this time when I was um, the guy relaying the play call. The series is starting. The series, we just got like a change of possession. They had punted. Yeah. The series is starting. We trot out for first down and silence on the call. Our offensive coordinator at the time had fallen asleep in the booth. In the booth. Our guys are on the field waiting for a play call. And all you hear is No. Yeah. Fell asleep in the middle of an NFL football game while we had the ball as the play caller. John, I mean, those Rod Marinelli era uh, Detroit Lions teams, they were some of the worst ever. Mm, yeah. uh, how surprising is it to you to find out that uh, their offensive coordinator, who remains nameless in all of this, right, right, right. Uh, how are we grading those 07 Detroit Lions with their OC falling asleep in a game? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to give them uh, an F because, again, it's like it, it was a bad staff bad team, you know, all these different things that came over. I mean, that's a, just a great story by Ovlosky. I mean, he gets an A for that one. But you know, talk about a coach falling asleep. I mean, yeah, you fall asleep watching to that offense for all that <laughs> stuff. So it's like, yeah, I think that's, that's just a great story. Yeah, I'm going to give uh, I'm gonna give Orlovsky an A for, for being as honest as he was in that interview. Uh, but, yeah, those Detroit Lions teams, some of the worst in NFL history. And then finally, John, on the report card, IOC, the International Olympic Committee Vice President John Coates, said today that the Tokyo Olympics will go on in 2021 with or without COVID-19. You know, we've seen over the last couple of months sports can be played amidst a pandemic. Obviously, attendance uh, is either a non-factor or it's, you know, very little people allowed in attendance. So how are we grading the Tokyo Olympics saying that, you know what, we're going to put these things on in 2021? I think it's an A. I mean, good for them. I mean, it's like a, it was wise not to do it this year. And I think you have to make the plans and because you hope things are going to be better. You would anticipate. I mean, I know it's not going to be done by the presidential election, but they're going to have a vaccine that's going to be there. So I think it's, let's go. Let's give it an A. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a B. I, I think it is uh, great for them to be able to put this on, and, and we've learned a lot about how sports can be played in these times, and the Olympics, they're, they've got very deep pockets, so they can figure out a way to do testing and to do all that. Uh, hopefully they don't have to worry about 
COVID come next summer, but you know, as we know, this this uh, you know disease is very very uncertain and it's very uh you know volatile so who knows how it's going to look next summer but uh shout out to the olympics saying they're going to go forth with the uh, with the program that is it for today's report card. okay be sure to check out the professor's notes on 710sports.com the professor's notes are brought to you by infinity of tacoma at five coming up next we're going to get out the text questions on the busy hard seltzer text line test texas at 710 710 john clayton show 710 espn seattle John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On demand with a 710 Seattle Sports app. Time to go on the Busy Heart Seltzer text line at 710-710 as we get your text questions. Text us. And so, Curtis, what do we have? John, this one comes from the 509. They want to know, do you think Earl Thomas will be signed by any team this season? Uh, yeah, somebody will sign him. But I think that teams are being very cautious in the sense that uh, they're kind of waiting things out and not trying to rush or do anything of that nature. So, yeah, somebody's going to sign him. I mean, you know, it's interesting that here it is Monday and the Dallas Cowboys have not done anything. So, I think think that's very curious but uh, you know he's too good of a player not to sign but I think what it comes down to is that you know people want to minimize the risk and so if you don't sign him in week one and right now if you sign him today you know he may not be able to be available for week one because of the COVID testing and everything else but uh, he'll, he'll get something and probably something next week. 425 wants to know John your thoughts on ESPN season simulation showing Seattle finishing third in the NFC West and missing the playoffs. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, how do you have I think what they had the Rams at 11 wins? Yeah, they had the 49ers at 11 wins too. Yeah, it's like I, I don't know how that simulator just doesn't seem to be working because this is a better team than 9 wins in third place and you know, I still think Arizona has a better chance. I mean, the Rams have lost more than they've gained. I mean, over the last 2 years they've lost 11 starters a nickel cornerback. They've lost three offensive linemen who start, Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks, and they're going to win 11 games? Come on. Yeah, it makes they're, zero they're gonna, sense. They're going to improve by, uh, what, two games, and the only player that they added was Leonard Floyd, who was cut by Chicago. <laughs> Give me a break. I believe this was the same simulation last year that had the Seahawks at 6-10, and 10, so yeah, 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 yeah. just kind of goes to show the accuracy of it. The 509 wants to know, John, do you think Seattle will sign Justin Britt or bring back Paul Richardson after week one. Yeah, I think there's a good chance. I mean, I think it's more on them than it is anything else uh, because I think you know those are two guys, and then you don't have the guarantees. Now the question is, do you put them on the practice squad or do you uh, you know try to do that? And it looks like uh, they're just going to kind of wait things out. But, uh, no, I think they're going to be back. The 360 wants to know, John, what do you think of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's chances of Rookie of the Year being? I think great, because again, he, you, know, you watch on Thursday night, I mean, he is the perfect back for the Andy Reid offense. A lot of people think that he is better than Brian Westbrook and LaShawn McCoy, two of the best backs who's ever played for uh, Andy Reid. So no, I think he has a great chance to be Rookie of the Year. 425 wants to know, how much better does Jadevian Clowning make Tennessee? Uh, a lot. I mean, if let's if you go by the model, and we'll see if this follows. Now, again, schedule is everything, and their schedule is tough because of a very tough division. But now you've got two quick guys to rush in Vic Beasley and Jadevian Clowney to put pressure on. You know, I have, they're a nine-win team. I think this could take them to ten or eleven. I still think that the Colts are the team to beat in the AFC AFC South. But he can add a game or two to them. The 253 wants to know, John, with Clowney now off the board, is there 
anybody out there you see Seattle adding to that defensive line? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I still wonder what's going on with Snacks Harrison. You know, that still could be a possibility. And again, uh, pass rush right now it's pretty thin. You know, they're not going to go for Cameron Wake at the age of 38 years old. Maybe I don't know. Maybe should they consider Terrell Suggs? I mean, here's the one guy that I think still could be in the mix: Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews wants five million. Five million isn't twelve million. It's not twelve million that can go to fifteen. I think that's got to be a consideration. Wouldn't mind that. Did, weren't the Seahawks sort of interested in Terrell Suggs last year when Arizona released him? Yeah, I think they were. Yeah. Did they put a claim in on him? Well, you can't put a claim because it's you know once you get past the fourth year, it's contract terminated, so there's no waiver. Well, okay. no, it is no, there is when you get uh, past the uh, trade deadline. Yeah, there is a waiver claim period then. From, let's see here, this one's from the 360. John, what do you make of Devontae Freeman turning down Jacksonville's offer? Well, again, he's kind of doing the Jadevian Clowney. If I'm not getting $8 million, I'm not going to play. And so uh, you saw that you know, it was an adjustment made by Clowney. But also it's like, okay, if you're Freeman, do you really want to go on a team that bad? So I think he's waiting for another offer. But the more he waits, the more he hurts. The 425 wants to know how much cap space does Seattle have at the moment? Uh, it's about uh, still about 12, 13, somewhere in that neighborhood. It didn't go down because, but again, it's going to change this week because on Sunday, that's when everything goes instead of the top 51 to full salary. So it'll probably be, you know, I would say in the six to seven million dollar range by then. The 360 wants to know, John, how will Randy Gregory's reinstatement impact the decision on Josh Gordon? Uh,. On Josh Gordon, I mean, I mean, they're all separate. I mean, but you would think that it's got to speed some things up. And you notice nothing came out yesterday, so you'd have to think at some point they get something done. Four two five wants to know: Do you see Seattle making any trades before Week One? Uh, I tend to doubt it because you know, the thing is, if you make a trade now, it's almost if you get past Tuesday, then it's going to be a little too late because you're not going to have the guy ready for the opener. Because again, he's got it through testing, and then of course you know the team's probably going to leave on Friday. So I'd say right now, no. The let's see here. This one comes to us from the two oh six. They want to know: Could Dallas be an option for Earl Thomas? Yes, I think he is. I mean, I know that uh, Stephen Jones was on radio just a little bit ago and he talked about it. But uh, in the end, uh, they say I, we like our roster right now. So I think what they're doing is they're waiting until next week when you don't have to have the guarantees. Four two five. They want to know: Will Leonard Fournette finish as a top ten rusher in twenty twenty? Uh, I don't think so, because again, question is going to be: They're going to have to share the ball, and you got Fournette there, Aaron Ronald Jones there, and also Lashawn McCoy. So I would say no. Speaking of Tampa Bay, this one comes to us from the five hundred three. They want to know. Which tight end do you think gets more receiving yards, O.J. Howard or Rob Gronkowski? Rob Gronkowski. I mean, because he's going to be the starter. Howard's going to be in there. It's a two tight end set, but I think, uh, you know, Brady knows Gronk. Gronk knows Brady. Gronk gets the majority of the catches. Familiarity wins out in that one. From, let's see here, this one's from the 206. They want to know... What's the latest on Lamar Miller and the Buffalo Bills? Uh, he went there to visit, and so this is going to probably take a couple of days. But uh, you know, the fact that he's visiting gives him a decent chance to maybe add him to the roster. But uh, it didn't work out for him in New England, so no guarantee on that one. From the 509, they want to know, 
How do you think Baltimore figures out their running back situation? Uh, it's it's going to be it's even more interesting right now. But I mean, Mark Ingram's going to be the starter. You know, their draft choice is going to get in there too, and they find a way to get Gus Edwards. But again, that team's going to run the ball and run the ball a lot. Yeah, they got what J.K. Dobbins. I think he was yeah. a second round pick, second really round good pick. running back out of Ohio State. From let's see here, this one's from the four two five. They want to know, John. Uh, Oregon's left tackle, Penny Sewell, declared for the draft. He's a potential top five pick. So are you expecting any other potential top five to top ten picks to declare? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's going to be a whole bunch. I mean, that's going to be the nature of things. I mean, because right now you're seeing top top five picks going like crazy. Uh, we got quarterback last week, wide receiver from LSU the week before. I mean, a lot of the top players are saying, I'm not going to risk it. It's like I'm going to go into the draft next year. I'm not going to you know, risk anything as far as having injuries. It's going to make tougher to get you know, tape because, again, you now have to go back to last year and if a guy had a year before. But that's just, I think, what's going to happen. I mean, you know, I've counted up, I think, what is it, uh, 28 to 30 guys in the top uh, three rounds of the draft are already you know, make, not going to be there. Yeah, it's going to be uh, every league that's playing in the spring is not going to look anywhere no. close to what it would look like if they played. I mean, in the what fall. is it? LSU's already had three to four players. Declared. Yeah, they had Jamar Chase, the wide receiver, who a lot of people think is a top ten pick. He declared for the draft. I I'd be surprised if Trevor Lawrence actually plays. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got number no, one play. pick. No, he'll, yeah. I think he wants to play. Well, hopefully, uh, he'd be the number one pick. I think if everybody had their way right now. Oh, yeah. And then finally, John, from the – let's end it with the four two five. They want to know, do you think Debo Samuel plays week one for San Francisco? Uh, questionable right now. I mean, they think he might be able to, but I'm, I'm sure he's not going to be able to do any jet sweeps or anything like that. But uh, he's going to see if he can try, but we'll have to monitor that as the week goes on. That is going to do it for text questions. Great. So be sure to uh, check out the Professor's Notes on 710sports.com. Professor's Notes brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming back next, our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. And it's time for our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And so we start off with the sad news and guy was close to our hearts for so many years bob robertson passing away today at the age of 92 well i worked with him for three years in the mid 90s on the on the washington state broadcasts uh including uh, a good year where they went to the alamo bowl uh and uh stayed friends with him the entire time was was it was a great iconic guy of course i first heard about bob before i moved here when sports illustrated did the faces in the crowd piece on him as the last guy still doing recreations of baseball games. I think it was the Spokane Indians games uh, he was doing. Um, he had an unbelievable career, was just, uh, was just uh, as everyone is saying, just a very nice guy, uh, a great broadcaster, a, a truly legendary figure, and, and uh, just uh, just sad news, but uh, a life well lived for sure. Oh, no doubt, and that's a, that's a thing. I mean, he was so special. I know uh, started off with a sports station uh, on, on the other side of town that uh, we we all started. Uh, Kevin Calabro was there, Bob Robertson was there, and uh, you know he just did so many things and so much in the sports business. Rainier Games, Washington State, you name it. I mean, one of the great broadcasters. Yep, and and John, near and dear to our heart, as we're happily married men, he was uh, his his marriage was was just incredible. His wife would travel everywhere with him, went to all the games uh, when I was on the road with him those, those three years. Uh, they were quite a quite a tandem. So uh, it's it definitely 
uh, it'll be it'll be a lot of memories for especially Cougar fans. Um, he just uh, he was one one of a kind for sure. No doubt about it. And of course, uh, did such a great job. So Bob Robertson passing away at the age of 92. All right. For the first time now, uh, we can almost put the Jadevian Clowney story behind us because he ends up taking a one-year deal at $12 million to go to Tennessee, and uh, he has $3 million of incentives. And so after five months of Clowney talk, are you kind of glad it's over? I'm very glad it's over, and apparently, uh, according to some sources, it was over the minute he turned down the offer in the first place. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's um, too bad from the Seahawks standpoint. Uh, he gave him a lot last year, and, and uh, including one of the uh, one of the great games I've ever seen a defensive lineman have. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, obviously they move forward without him. Yeah, they do, and of course that's sometimes what you have to do. And just kind of get the feeling this was one that was never ever meant to be, because as much as he might have wanted to uh, to come here and. Uh, return because he liked it here it just seemed that uh, i don't know if he was upset in getting it you know the first offer at a pay cut uh certainly i think it's fair to say john that he was uh, you know i mean it's look whether whether you feel he should 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 have been or shouldn't have been i think that you know from his mindset and we're just guessing on this he felt like you know he had risked risked his health and you know missed a couple of games because of it but but the seahawks were going to reward him and and um you know maybe maybe he didn't didn't realize for a minute or two that it's it's a business and and they don't reward you in the nfl uh that you get you get paid when they when they can pay you and and uh one year in particular uh, doesn't doesn't generate a a full-on reward i mean maybe maybe a guy who who contributed for four or five years it might have been a different story but it seemed to me that um as you look at the story that yeah he was uh he was disappointed in their first offer and and it was basically it Mm -hmm, because he never really countered I mean, he just basically because uh, you know the the smart one would have been you know take the 16 million when he got up to 16 million, but he refused to do that and he refused to counter because he kept on saying at 17. Then even as late as like Thursday, he wouldn't budge below 15. And then what do you think of the way that he used the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton to try to uh, get a little bit more money out of the Titans, which he did. Yeah, the uh, sign and trade thing. Well, the sign and trade, but Sean which Payton coming down, right? Yeah. They won't. They would never allow that. Yeah. So Sean Payton, uh, you know, flew down with two coaches to have dinner with him and try to recruit him. And he says, no, 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 don't worry about dinner. My chef will cook something up for you. So they had a Saturday night uh, meal with the chef, and then next thing you know, uh, Tennessee offers a little bit more, and the deal is done. That's it, John. We're done talking about him. That's true. That's good. So he's out of sight. It's finally out, over. Out of mind. Meanwhile, what's also amazing is that the. Uh, See, I mean, the Mariners are trying to get that sweep over Texas. They've won, what, six games so far. And I, I know 18 and 22 uh, is probably better than we expected. But I know this means nothing, and I'll say it means nothing. But they're only three games behind the Yankees for first for a playoff spot. Yeah, and it, it, in a regular season, it'd be three games left with three weeks to play. And, and uh, you'd, you'd feel like you're in a pennant race. And, and they can feel that way. I mean, they have earned it by how they've played and, and uh, have been – have been a lot of fun to watch uh, and continue to be fun to watch and, and are in a nice stretch taking advantage of just a woeful Texas team. Just, just woeful. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a really, uh, really amazing how bad Texas has been this year, but that's not the Mariners fault. Mariners get there. Uh, you play the game and, and you take your chances and, and that's it. And, and so it's, it's been fun to watch and, and it continues to be fun to watch. And yeah, I mean, uh, they're in it. Mm-hmm. 
they're in it. They've got a bunch of games left with the A's uh, and uh, kind of a weird schedule the rest of the way. You know, maybe some big games that we weren't thinking they were important, but potentially some important games with Houston coming up as well. So, um, you know, they'll have to get past Oakland and, and Houston, past one of those two, and, and we'll see if they can do it. But uh, still a, a great show, a great show at this point. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, things are starting to you know, shake out. I mean, the two Kyles have been unbelievable this year, Kyle Seeger and Kyle Lewis. And then starting pitching has been very consistent. And now the bullpen seems to be shaping up a little bit more. Kendall Graveman looks like he's a great addition now that he's come off the starting roles and has gone into the bullpen. And some of the younger guys are stepping up. Yeah, Graveman's the guy who stands out. If he, he, he just, you know, I mean, again, you know, you like a guy with his stuff as a starter, but, you know, what, what are they saying? He throws a 95, 96 mile per hour sinker. I mean, that, that, that can be a devastating, devastating thing for a pitcher to have. And, and, you know, I mean, having a guy, if he can wind up being the guy at the end of the, end of the rotation, end of the uh, bullpen, I mean, that shuts guys down. If you get there, I mean, that's, that's a huge piece to have. So. Uh, we'll see if he, that he, he of all the guys in the bullpen has obviously been the most interesting and uh, has the most interesting potential, I think, of the group that they have. Yeah, it really does. But again, it's a testament, I think, to Scott's service. And I think that you can see there's some momentum building on this franchise. And, you know, again, oh, yeah. they're, they're not going to be, I'm sure they're not going to make the playoffs and nobody even thought they would. But, you know, just even to come close. And, you know, the one thing with the schedule, sure, it's tough, but it's like, okay, they got four games coming up, San Francisco. I don't know, is Arizona all that good? They got three games against them, but you know the tough ones are going to be going against Houston, certainly going against uh, San Diego and Oakland and Oakland. Yes, don't forget about Oakland leading the division. So they, they've they've definitely got some tough games left. But uh, it's been a it, it, look. In my my opinion, they've gotten um, everything out of what they had so far. You know, mm-hmm. now look. I mean, we we we'll, we we'll we'll hold the judgment because they've still got games to play and. You know, I mean, you hate to say 10-game losing streaks are still a possibility, but 10-game losing streaks are still a possibility. So, you know, we'll wait till the year is over to 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 judge. But at this point in time, they're getting everything out of what they've got, in my opinion. Yeah, and of course, that is you know, at the end of the season, of course, you had to flop a game where they're going to have, you know, two at home against Oakland and then four on the road because they had to take that one doubleheader game, you know, because they couldn't squeeze as much in there. So it's like, okay, but at least, uh, you know, they play it out. But boy, what's happened to Texas and what's happened to the Angels? Boy, in the case of Texas, it's it's injuries and, and guys not panning out. I mean, you know, we talked about Corey Kluber going down at the start of the year, and, and Texas was supposed to be a team on the rise. Remember, they weren't particularly good last year, and they and they weren't. And that's 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 a um, you know, it's a it's a story that the Mariners got to be careful about because you know things can look good on paper, and you can look like you have the rising young prospects, and and you have a bad year. I mean, it, you just do. And for the Angels, I mean, I. I it's it's a mystery. I mean, you know, you, you thought with with Joe Madden, who's been so successful, that they they uh, that was a, that was a key acquisition for them. Uh, Anthony Rendon was was one of the top free agents who's actually playing well. Mike Trout is still Mike Trout. They just I don't know if it's a jinx or what it is, or, or if they just you know the other pieces weren't put together properly. But they have been much more disappointing in my book than Texas. And that's our daily dose of the. They're going to win. Yeah, without them contend. That's our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. Dave, looking forward to talking to you tomorrow. Sounds good, John. Thank you. Okay. Also looking forward to being able to go ahead and catch Mariner baseball today as they try to get the sweep against the Texas Rangers. That's going to be coming up. We'll be back tomorrow at 10. And, of course, keeping you up to date on what's going on with the Seahawks. But coming up next, it's Mariner baseball as they take on the Texas Rangers here on 710 ESPN Seattle.